Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I was about to say the set piece podcast, and that feels weird because that's the one I normally present. It's rule the roost. It's not the UMAX it one. Nobody's paying me to do this. This is the one we do for fun. Um, Jack's not here. So you step into the the presenter's chair, and and you have the meltdown. Uh, it's not meltdown. So it's as consistent mate. as gravity, mate. You know, it happens to all <laughs> no, of us. Yeah, you see, if you turn the tables now, if you pick on me, then people are going to accuse you of bullying me, which is sort of like an ageist thing. So I'm, I'm watching what I say to you because obviously. You're such a fragile person, Seb, that you can't take a, a, a few little digs from a friend. So I, I just want to make worry, sure mate. Nobody, they, they, nobody doesn't feel the need to stand up for you this week. You know, when you do this, I mean, I, this is when I text, text Jack in our kind of private WhatsApp group just to, you know, he comforts me. I, I tell him all the things that you say and I work through my pain that way. So it's okay. you, you say, you say it's, it's a process, it's a joke, Raj. I know that you and Jack have a private WhatsApp group just to talk oh, yeah, through man. old men things together. My back That's hurts. It. This, the, you know, this happened. That's happened. Anyway, Which, in a way, the existence of that, you. that, um, no, I've introduced myself now, really. Um, but yeah, the a man existence that needs of that, no introduction. Yeah, <laughs> the existence of that group is is a is a damning indictment of you, in a way, of your bullying nature. Yeah, it's just it's the way yeah. I, I present myself, isn't it? That I just yeah. such an over. We should we should need the group, but we do because there's just so much pain. There's, there's things that you don't feel comfortable saying in front of me because you know you'll yeah. be condemned. No, no, it's because you, you'll save them and use them on the pod. Yeah. Well, you know? what, have when, you, when you brought, when you, when you took Ugg Boots from the WhatsApp group to the pod, you, 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 you broke the trust. You deserve forever. that, though. You, you, public, you broke the trust, Raj, You, you deserve publicly shaming for ever, ever coming to me and Jack in earnest and asking whether or not you should buy male Ugg Boots. Yeah. Even so, I felt like lines were crossed, and and I, I, you, you betrayed me. The worst thing you ever did was when you admitted <laughs> that you had joined Tinder. That was your own, that was your own mistake. Because people, no, still man, ask I'm far us, less, far less ashamed of that. People that's, still ask us on an almost weekly basis for updates from your sort. You know what? Style. What I should have done is claim. You know, like when um when those Vice writers write articles, and you know they they, they sort of uh they dismiss their own interests as as, as being in the interest of some kind of um journalistic experiment mm. that's what i should have done with twitter uh, tinder all oh, right yeah it was just uh it was all part it was just, of the, i was uh, just work. seeing you know i was just doing so you know deep investigation and you know mocking people and uh yeah you weren't doing that at all you uh, i you wasn't doing that at all no sordidly approaching the various single ladies of bath the titan of tinder that you are anyway um how how are you, Sev? Because uh, I feel like it's. I've got a one on one with Jack last week. I've got a one on one with you this week. Did you did you listen last week? Did you enjoy the old school feel? Did you did you feel slightly left out? Were you scared that we were going to kick you off the pod down? That you've sort of rekindled our relationship and just toss you to one side? You used all of those things. Although you know, to be fair, like Jack was like texting spent, your way through spent contraception. <laughs> 
Yeah, Jack was texting me all the way through, saying, what? you know, it just it just wasn't the same without me. So uh, I, maybe 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 your relationship's not as solid as you think it is. Well, Jack's just uh, <laughs> hussy by name, hussy by nature. I think it's the uh, <laughs> it's the only appropriate thing to say. Oh, of course, uh, it'd go behind my back. Yeah. It's just the type of individual he is. You can't you can't trust him, can you? That's it, Raj. You work through that hurt. What is there anything that you missed off from from last week that you want to catch up on at all? Anything? Is there anything you you think you need the right of reply on, or any footballing stories, or anything that you want to sort of join in on? No, no, none at all. Just happy no. to crack on. You don't care happy anymore. You've, you've, you've like, actually forgotten what's happened, haven't you? Each pod is its own little work of art. We don't do corrections, or <laughs> you know, we don't admit mistakes, and we we don't have a never a backward know, step. Never a backward stop. No. Um, so this week, who did we play? Um, we played... Watford. Watford at home, and we won 1-0. Um, that's the only game. We had no midweek game, did we? No. No. I was, I, the, the, we're saying that the, all the midweek games are all going to happen at once now because we're still in the FA Cup and the Europa League. That's going to be a, a busy couple of months if we progress. Well, we did. We, 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 you guys covered the Norwich game in the last um, in the last pod, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. I think yeah, so. Okay. If we didn't, then... I think I remember you doing that, so yeah, we don't need to do any more on that. Yeah, we don't need to do anything. But it was, it was, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, it was one of those, I was, it was kind of, it was one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to get used to. It's kind of ruthlessly efficient. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know Norwich had a kind of, Kevin Wimmer had a little bit of a shaky moment when he barked at the back of Stephen Naismith, but we were just so solid. It was, um, it was, it was fun. It was cold and merciless and uh, everything that we we never used to be away from home and it's just it's wonderful did that translate into the Watford game then uh, I don't think so because I think it was um, uh, there were similar qualities but it was just a completely different fixture I think that Watford Watford are basically safe already I don't want to tempt fate for them um, but they um, they're still in the top half aren't they they, they, they still uh, are, yeah they or... are um, and it would take something a bit weird for them to go down now, but I, I think I, I think we all know this. They they came to to take a nil nil, um, and I don't know. I, I you and I are both fans of Kike Sanchez Suarez, but I thought he got it a little bit wrong. I, I thought it sort of I I've, I made my piece with with teams coming to White Hart Lane and just sitting behind the ball, but I think there's a there's a a balance which needs to be found between sitting behind the ball but still offering something because otherwise, you know, we we I mean I we we barely did any defending at all. I mean, they, they were of, of no threat whatsoever. And I thought that was kind of, from our own point of view, great. But like from a footballing perspective, it's a little bit of a shame because they're not like, if they, the fixtures had been the other way around, so if Norwich had come to White Hart Lane and played like that, fine, because Norwich is so limited. But I thought Watford are quite a good team. I mean, they're certainly really well coached. And I don't know, I just when, when you see, um, I think one of the sort of stigmata for an overly negative performance is when most of the home team's um, possession of fullback occurs in the opposition's half. The fullbacks and were both exceptional, weren't they? I mean They were they were great, but I mean I they were. That's not to detract from what they did, but they they um they the were allowed possession, to possession. Oh, they, they, the amount of possession Davis and uh, Trivia had on far up the pitch was I mean it was just it, it made it a matter of time. I know we only want one one nil, but it could have been five. Um and I don't think Watford could have argued had it been five. I mean Jurelio Gomez was brilliant. Um which is kinda nice, I thought actually. I kinda kinda enjoyed that he played well. I enjoy when he plays well win. against other people, but as I, as I tweeted from the rule of the count, if there's one team he oh, owes sure. a couple of free goals yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're speaking to someone who was at the Fulham game when he when he did what he did at, at Craven Cottage. I didn't sort of, do. 
Yeah, I was. Um, we were actually we weren't in the Tottenham end for that game, but we were we were amongst the Fulham fans. But I was I was next. Were to you a not in of, the neutral stand at Fulham? Uh, it is kind of a neutral stand. We were actually. Um, uh, it, it was with the company I used to work for. They they used to get complimentary tickets and and some I mean, was, <laughs> and the um quite a few of the guys I worked with were Spurs. So we we went along and and kind of it was one of those where it was so ridiculous that no one was angry. We just kind of looked at each other. It was just it was one of the bizarrest things I think I've ever seen. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, I, I had had he denied us points, it would have it would annoyed me because you're quite right. He does probably earn a few goals, but I like the I, I like that. He he was able to come away from White Hart Lane, having left a positive impression of himself. If that's his last game at White Hart Lane, I I, I like that he's he's shown himself in the best possible light because he is a good goalkeeper. He just you know it's there were there were yeah. Let's not revisit that actually, but it was it was a sort of um, I don't know. He showed what a he he showed what he's capable of, and I think I don't think given the way he left was, was unaware of how good he was. It was just the fact that he would so regularly flip-flop between the sublime and the ridiculous that was the issue. I don't know. I still see people who just who don't really appreciate the kind of the spectacular side of his game because he made some of the best saves I've ever seen from a Tottenham goalkeeper. Like the one he um, the one he made from Ronaldo at Old Trafford, uh, his tip over from Lampard at Stamford Bridge. Um, I mean, he did there amazing things. There was a free kick save from Giggs, I remember, and... Uh... Yeah, it's yeah. Also sort of in like the last minute of the game, there was obviously that save that from Van Persie and and Sol Campbell yeah, that and two you know, game where yeah. he saved about four or five towards the end, which yeah, he was did brilliant. The game. But I think that um, was you know I accept that he is a sort of a balance between the good and the ridiculous. I think he was still you know I, I think that balance was exaggerated during his time at Spurs because I think when a goalkeeper starts to make errors and, and not just errors but errors of that nature. I think it becomes almost self-fulfilling because you remember what the crowd was like then. I mean, you you, you sit there and and for a little, uh, certainly towards the at, the at the very beginning of the Harry Redknapp's time, like any time he catched the ball, even if it was sort of like a, a soft header back from a centre half, the crowd would ironically cheer, and it was just I don't know. It was it flirted with the kind of the lines of what's good and what's not about home support. I think. I think uh, he he got to the point though where. I, I agree with what you're saying. There was there was probably as much good as there was bad, but I think mm. because the bad was so bad, looking back on him as favourably as you do as a player, I mean, as a man and as a person around the place, you can't fault him whatsoever. Because I mean, mm. even to the days where you know he, he was getting nowhere near the team whatsoever, he was still participating in all the community aspects of the club, and he, he was still you know vocally supportive of of everything that he'd been through yeah. and you know even when he left the club he, he sort of did so with a with a smile on his face and and you know with respectfully but at the same time because of that you can't massage the past <laughs> given some of the ridiculous he, things he did i mean i remember he, that one the one Stoke City away um, game where he came for every single long throw and and almost killed Vedran Charluca yeah, it was ugly. I, you know what the thing is is that he um, he started badly. Had he not let in that Ashley Young goal at White Hart Lane, um, I don't think his career would have been quite the same. I think I think he'd have still produced the highs. I just don't think there would have been as many lows. I think he was. I think I think responsibility for Gomez ultimately falls on Damien Camoli's head because by Gomez's own admittance, he was completely unprepared for English football. Um, and yet, 
the club in that summer when he arrived, the club, the, the, the club sold Paul Robinson. There was no feasible alternative to Gomez, you know, at any other level. And so he was expected to drop straight into into the Premier League and perform. And and I think that was quite of irresponsible because he he wasn't ready. It took him about six months. I can't remember the name of the goalkeeping coach who was there when he arrived, but it was only when I think Tony Parks came in. Um, was that under Redknapp or was that before Redknapp got there? Uh, I think it may have been afterwards. I think Redknapp saw the situation and then brought him in. So I'm not, I don't think he came in you know, simultaneously. But the, the point is, is that um, he had he not had that start and had he not been quite as fragile, I, I just think he would have... Um, I don't know. I think it just might have benefited him to come in in a sort of Hugo Lloris way where, you know, Lloris is obviously a, a completely different caliber of goalkeeper and, you know, fair enough. But he came in and had to earn his spot. It didn't take him long to get past Brad Friedel, but Friedel was there as a, a safety net. So had Lloris had any teething difficulties, which he sort of did. I mean, if you remember that back pass, it was. A, I mean, I, I'm sure that was just really a mistake rather than a kind of symptom of, of not being suited to English football. But Gomez didn't have that. Gomez had to come in and Gomez had the transfer fee around his neck and there was no one else who's going to play. He was just straight into the side. And I, I don't know. I mean, he just... Um, you, th- that Stoke game was interesting because he, that was that was his... That was his lack of sub- suitability exposed for really for what it was. I mean, you know, he just... He didn't really know what he was doing. He, he sort of obviously been told, right, you're going to come for everything, but without really knowing how he was going to do it. And it was it was a circus. I don't know how we've ended up having a 20-minute discussion about Aurelio Gomez. No, nor do I, no. But Watford was great. And yeah. I, I thought we were I thought we were really good, man. I, I also, it's been mentioned by other people, but in the past, in that kind of situation, we'd have got the goal and we'd have had the game uh, in our hands and then we'd have probably retreated and just sort of very nervously seen it out, perhaps give away a couple of free kicks around our box and a, a corner or two and invites some pressure but what i really like about the side now is they're kind of ruthless they're sort of like the um they go into a sort of a closing mentality whereby they just kill the momentum of a game and i can think of very few occasions this season where we've actually had to to sort of to hold on to a win desperately you know with, with sort of you know last ditch defending and and um you know uh heroics at the back it's never really like that now and that's um i think that's one of the um it, it's it's kind of under discussed that as a as a development but i think it's um it's really encouraging the the beautiful man that is Kike Sanchez Flores compared the team to animals in the aftermath and said that, <laughs> yeah. that it was it was difficult to play against and that sort of that's the sort of thing you really enjoy hearing about your team, isn't yeah. it? The fact that opposition We said we were the best player that they faced all year. We were the best team they yeah. faced all year, even. Um yeah, which I mean it, it, it's a lovely thing to hear and uh, I think um it's especially because he's he's not saying it just for the sake of saying it. It's not something you you come out and say just to sort of yeah right. It's not Ferguson complimenting Sam Allardyce basically. Yeah. It's not that where it's just sort of it's a bit of backslapping. He's got no real reason to be. Um, no, he's got no links to Tottenham. He's got no real no. allegiance to Pochettino or any of the players. No. It's just a it's an honest assessment and a comment that sort of it warms your heart a bit and sort of validates what we've been feeling about the team growing yeah. this growing feeling around the team that win Seb put a second in the table um, behind oh, Leicester City yeah. still um, who are on their own remarkable story I mean, we've got Manchester City away this week and we'll be speaking to somebody about that very shortly but the the way in which Leicester are dispatched of them is 
is sort of something we've got to replicate, and I'm sure we will we'll come on to that. But do you think sort of the form we've got at the moment does that give you heart going into sort of this this final third of the season and across all competitions? Do you think we've got enough? Have we got the depth? Have we got the yeah? We definitely got enough to go there and win. I mean, I, I wouldn't normally say that, but I, I obviously watched that game of the weekend and City looks so vulnerable in all the areas that we're quite strong. I mean, their, their central midfield is 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 chaotic at the moment. Leicester just bust them. I mean, and but even with know, all I, the all the different competitions we've got to play, we we've got have we got enough for? Is this gonna? Is this sort of? What is enough this the for? Peak now? Are we talking about the season as as in or, 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 or it, the the game next weekend as a whole? Oh, um, is this the peak? Is that what I'm asking? Have we sort of is this the zenith of 2015-16? Have we sort of is this where we're going to be happiest and certainly because the squad isn't as large as perhaps it it could be? And obviously Pochettino wants a a smaller squad because that's the way he works and that sort of it, it buys into his ethos. But at the same time, there are there are positions like up front where. There simply aren't enough we bodies to, to, yeah, to to fill in. So is this going to be sort of, is it going to have to be a decision made in a week or two where somebody goes, right, we balls out for the league or FA Cup or Europa League or do you just sort of do you roll dice on all three and just sort of see where it see where it ends up at the end of it? Yeah, you know what I mean. We, we we've said this all the way through. I don't. I have no time for people that are now re-evaluating their expectations instead of, you know, playing the, oh, well, we're in contention, so we should have spent 20 million in January card because it's just not realistic. The club, football clubs don't really work like that. Football clubs have proper structures. They have, okay, maybe we didn't in the past, but they have transfer strategies which are decided and, and... Developed years at a time, which we've clearly got now because that which we've clearly got. That we've got the structure was that's three quarters new signings on yeah. the weekend. And yeah, we went and stronger than anything we could have fielded last year. Well, that's it. Now, defense also that the signings that were made last season, um, the defensive signings, were made right at the beginning of the window. So we clearly entered the summer knowing exactly what we wanted and how we were going to go into into the new season. And it's paid off. And Mitchell think, can almost sort of just he just points to the the goal difference doesn't he and, and points to who he's bought and goes you know there, there's your validation for the work oh. I've done we've got the most positive goal difference in the league and we've conceded fewer goals than any other side in the Premier League I don't think this is the time for us to start complaining about anything and nitpicking you know I understand um the dangers of what might happen in the coming weeks I mean we've got two-thirds of the season left and you know this is where it's going to be hardest because this is where the competitions really start to matter um I get that but then also the, the the players we have at the moment have earned the right to go as far as they can. I don't want necessarily, um, I don't want us to react to a situation where we see we see the league table and we think right we've got to spend here to to consolidate our position because I think that that's very short term. That's a really that's, that's the way we used to do things. I would much rather get to. I, I love the, the talk of where the season... I'm not going to mention it by name because I, I just I'm not quite there yet mentally. Um, I'm not going to talk about where we could finish, but I um I, I think we're, we're we're a process, and if this season doesn't finish quite as well as we we hope, it will still be a success because you know I'm, the significance of of Manchester United's uh, of Chelsea's late equaliser on Sunday. You know we're we're seven points clear of fifth, and we've got you know 13 games left. I mean. 
if if you're gonna if you're gonna look at this sort of from what will be considered a success from now on, finishing the top four is a bloody good effort. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I mean, we I've been saying all along that sort of yeah, we were you and Jack, we've all said it. I was it's happy just, with Europa League football, and anything more than that is a bonus. And, and it, you, everything we we're in that territory, Raj. We're in bonus territory. Everything yeah, you acknowledge that as an overachievement rather than being disappointed with with anything yeah, you, below that. You you don't start changing your perception of what the team should be doing in February. Yeah. This season has been brilliant for the very reason that it's exceeded expectations and because everything has gone so much better than, than it should be. If you then bounce back off that and back down to sort of a trend level of performance, you can't then turn around and complain about it. You yeah. know, I'm sure come the summer, you know, we will, if we qualify for the Champions League, I'm sure um, our spending will, maybe not as much as it would without the, sort of the, the burden of the stadium, but I'm sure our, our spending will reflect that. I'm sure that will um, trigger a kind of a, a phase two situation perhaps on a, on a minor level. But you just every step we take has got to be calculated. And the reactionary transfer policy is, you know, it, it, it is not, it's not our business at this moment in time. Because um, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of, it doesn't correlate with, with what the long-term ambitions yeah. of the club are. Having said all this, and obviously having having put in all the yeah, we're going to win the league. <laughs> and, and doing that, if if we do allow ourselves just two minutes of oh, speaking no. in in complete hypotheticals, not in a yeah. in a serious manner, but in a sort of if this happens, if that happens, sort of way. Obviously, Leicester City are, are top at the moment, and um, they've got to go to Arsenal this weekend. So if they were to draw, and we were to win, and then that that becomes a two point gap to the top of the table, and then. There's a an extended gap over the top of both City and Arsenal, um, which there'll still be what twelve games left at that point. So it's by no means a, a done deal as a two horse race or anything silly like that. But that's obviously a, a very strong position to be in. A, a Leicester City sort of are they Donald Trump in the polls? Are they sort of flattering to deceive? Are they just sort of? No, no, they're they're a really good football team. I, I didn't think that when it, until... when it comes to crunch time. Do you think because obviously it, what this reminds me of most, especially with the sort of the the public fervor, is when Liverpool went very close a couple of seasons ago, and they were they, they were literally they had the league title in their own hands with two to three games left of the season, and at that point there was still quite a lot of people who just didn't believe they had it in them, and that's when the ass went out of them essentially, and and, and I know there's this statistic that. Leicester City have spent more time at the top of the table this season than than Tottenham have in the entirety of the Premier League beforehand, which yeah. is, although it's quite a nice soundbite, um, it doesn't actually mean very much because there's only one day at the end of the year where it actually matters to be top of the table. And I know that's sort of probably yeah. slightly bitter and biased way of putting it as a, as a Spurs fan. No, but it's, the, it's still true, it's, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a truism, but... yeah. Are you, are you are you on the Leicester bus now? Are you are you there, beep, beep, um, Ranieri? Are you are you queuing yeah, up to uh, buying pizza? Uh, <laughs> well, I um I wasn't, but I went to see uh, our game with them at White Hart Lane in the league, and they were brilliant. They were they were really good. They were they were so difficult to break down, and and the, the thing about Leicester is that every time a fixture has turned up on the fixed list, which you know um, should have signified their decline and the wheels falling off. They've passed the test. I mean, last weekend was a perfect example. I remember I said to either you or Jack, this is the moment. This is when it's going to happen. This is City going to, you know, score two or three times. And and they just did a, a really effective job at taking away all City's strengths and, and sort of forcing them into wide positions and, 
taking the game away away from Aguero and Silva and you know and it was just it was mighty impressive and they did the same to Man. I know Man United aren't a very good side, but you know they 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 were pretty pretty good against them at um at uh the King Power. They beat Chelsea, of course. Um, they didn't lose to City when City came to to Leicester. I mean, they don't. I mean, this 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 weekend's going to be interesting because Arsenal. Yeah, you um you wonder about that because Arsenal have a little bit more quality um going forward. I think even the Manchester City in slightly different positions, but I think sort of Sanchez and Özil and Ramsey, it, it's a different proposition to to really just Silver and Aguero, a suspended Kevin De Bruyne, and an aging Yaya Toure, but. What I will say is if we go to Manchester City this weekend and win, we might have to edit this out in the future. I, I really think we'll win the league. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I mean it. I mean it. I, I just think if... Well, that's going to come I'm back and forward. bite you in the ass, mate. I, I don't, don't care. Like, even Jack honest, hasn't said that properly. Yeah, but it, I mean, we're, we're, all, we're all Tottenham friends here. And if, if somebody's going to take the piss out of you at the end of the year for saying that. Oh, people do it anyway, mate. Double barrel surname and accent, and you know, oh, you know, I'm. That's fine. You feel the league um, titles entitled to you now, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it already happened, so I might as well make the most of it. But I, I, I do. I just think if we go in there and win. I think it'll be such a significant moment in our season. We'll do it. Does it remind you of that game, the the three two loss? I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. No. The Jermaine Defoe stamped on stuck Scott Parker's face. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. When he's just a cheerful, fun guy, Balotelli, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm is, so this over is, it. This is the <laughs> this is the most sort of biased Spurs I've ever heard. You, I mean, I believe it. I, I um. Oh God, you've have you you've not sort of ripped your bed sheets out and started painting Dare to Dream on it or something? No, like no, no. I just, I think you know, you know, you know what? I think this team has owed our faith for once. I don't. Maybe they, they will. Are, Maybe they'll revert to being typical Spurs, but time, I don't. They've I don't, done nothing I don't to deserve me. Carried away. I'm not getting carried away. I'm, you just I'm, said you're going to win the league. Yeah, but I, it, it doesn't mean I'm not in the, in the same emotional place that I was like five or six years ago. I don't spend my days gazing at the league table and as you did yesterday, filling out like predictions and, and trying oh, to calculate I, I was, your, I was your 38 on, game result. <laughs> I was on the toilet yesterday. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit this because obviously Seb said he's going to win the league. So yesterday when I was on the toilet, obviously for an extended period, um, I had, I had a, my mind wandered and uh, I had a look at the fixtures that were left. So in the notes part of my phone, I just did a quick sort of tallying up where I thought the points were going to go. And I had the finishing on the last day of the season with... City and Spurs on the same amount of points, and I went uh, and I t- texted you two. So I obviously hmm. didn't go into it in sort of scores or anything like that. So I had no idea with, you know, how it would actually end up. But I, I said to you two, how how Tottenham would it be if this actually happened and they sort of they lost their goal, goal difference. difference or something? But you know, that I'd, I'd I think I'd rather finish that fifth than that happen. Yeah, well, I I, I look, I, I um, no, I mean, I'm not just um, I'm not just saying it for the sake of saying words i i think that um we get through the weekend go there and win and nothing untoward happens like you we, know, we, we'll speak about this we don't, game, we don't, obviously we don't with, have a long-term uh, entries yeah I, I um but i i think there's a lot of momentum to be had from something like that and i think we're we're we're, we're playing very well at a really good period of the time uh, a really good point in the season mm. i don't think there's really anything to fear in the fixtures i'm not afraid of playing arsenal or man united at home chelsea away worries me just because they found a little bit of form other than that, I think we'll be just fine. I think we'll go to Anfield and win um, because they're really not very good. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's just time to say, 
for better or worse, I've got faith in you now. And they've deserved that because, you know, they, they've earned they've earned that loyalty this season. And, and um, it's not going to destroy my life if they don't, but I, it's just how I feel. Okay. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Totally to will honest. destroy my life. Yeah. I've got to have this now. I've, I've touched Jack. I've got to have it. You've, <laughs> you've gone, you've sort of outjacked Jack there. It's almost like you've um, filled the gap. Yeah. You've had your, your breakdown. You've put your balls out. It's been... Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely saying, quite uh, quite speechless as to uh, well, as yeah, to I'm, the the attitude towards it. But um, right, we'll, it's time, mate. I spent my entire life <laughs> waiting for us to fuck up. Well, um, I, I'm going getting and I'm getting to my thirty second year now. So why not? Why not? Let, why not just um, go on? Let's go and do it. Well, um, go and win it. We'll we'll continue this conversation with uh, with our Manchester City guest uh, David Mooney who you'll hear after the cockerel does a roost thing. Oh, is the cockerel back? Of course it is. Whenever we do a thing, it, it roosts. Cockle-doodle-doo! <laughs> David Mooney, welcome to Ruler Roost. Thanks for coming on for your first time. You're from the Blue Moon podcast, and you write about Manchester City for ESPN. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct, yeah. Perfect. That's a good start. Um, right. How has your season been? And, and things like that. How's it been for for Manchester City? Because obviously we Tottenham fans have been jealous of you in the past um, because of your leapfrogging us in the league, <laughs> to put it quite bluntly. Uh, but it, it doesn't seem to have been as as uh, as plain sailing this season, to put it quite kindly. Well, it's not. It's a weird year this year, to be brutally honest, because obviously you know they've made the League Cup final. That's that's in a couple of weeks' time. Um, they they're in a position where you know they're six points off the top of the table. Uh, not obviously the weekend didn't quite get to plan, um, but they they're still they're still within touching distance of the top of the league. They they won the Champions League group and, and qualified uh, fairly easily out of the group. Was the first of the English teams to do that. Um, the FA Cup has been going strong, although they they do have a, an away match at Chelsea next up, which could be a bit difficult. Um, but yeah, it feels like it's been a season where everything has not really gone to plan, and it feels like it's not been going too well. So on on kind of like on the one hand, everything looks like it's panning out okay, but on the other hand, you know the, the performances just they haven't been great since that. The first five games of the season, fine, everybody was telling us that we were going to walk the league, um, and ever since then, it's just it's not been the same. It's been almost as if it's been ready to fall apart at any given opportunity. And just to kind of put that into some context, they haven't actually won back-to-back Premier League games in uh, in about four months now. It's but, but the middle of October was the last time they did it, so it just kind of that that just kind of goes to show just how kind of hit and miss they've been this year. David, um, one of the kind of the recurring themes that um, well, one of the recurring criticisms that City attract is sort of is centered on your defense, and I know the obvious caveat there is is Vincent Company's um, inability to to stay healthy, but is that really the? the He's the, gone full lead licking now, hasn't he? <laughs> Isn't that oh. the kind of the? Um, oh, that's that's harsh. Um, <laughs> is is that really the sum total of the problem? Because every time I watch City try and defend, there seems just to be a fundamental chemistry problem between every player on the pitch, and that uh, that isn't just a company issue, is it? Well, I'll tell you what you could do. It's You could take the Benny Hill theme tune and play it over any <laughs> city defending this year and it wouldn't look out of place. Um, it's weird because... Well, just at the weekend, for example, I mean, I, I, I'm actually a kind of um, a Martin Dimichaelis... Well, I was a Martin Dimichaelis <laughs> truther for a while. And um, and I think Nicholas Otamendi is actually a very good defender. It's just, it's 
Yeah, it's slapstick. It's bizarre. Well, it's it's weird because I, I I have this fundamental belief that if you take any of the individual players at City in the defence, that they're not bad defenders. Yeah. Um, but thrown together, they just haven't worked together. And I, and I actually think, and I, I don't mean this to sound as a criticism of the manager, um, but I actually think the manager's not really got his head around defending, which is weird because he was a centre-half when he played. Yeah. Because it, it just... It seems to me like he has this idea in his head that that City will go out, they'll be better than the other team. So what if they concede a goal because they'll score three or whatever like that? Um, and in his first year, that was generally working. They, the the defence wasn't great in his first year. It was better than it was, it's was. it been in his, in his second two seasons, um, but it wasn't great. And at the start of this year, it looked like they'd actually sat down and worked on it and, and company was, was staying fit. He was partnered with Mangala and looking brilliant. Um, and then he got he got he picked up that injury, and it should have just been a simple switch to to drop Otamendi into into his position, yeah. and it never worked. And we have we have this really weird situation where first off, Pablo Zabaleta has been out injured for most of the year, so he's only just coming back to fitness. He's not hit the heights that he had done two seasons ago when he was looking like one of the best uh, fullbacks in the Premier League. I say like, easily the best fullback at his best. The, he was comfortably the best fullback. In the yeah, the, and on the, over on the left hand side, Gail Clichy and um, Alexander Kolarov. Well, Kolarov's never been great defensively. He's always been <laughs> a team for his. Uh, He's a trade off. He is. Yeah. <laughs> The funny thing is, is he whacked nearly every cross against Leicester into the stands, and the commentators were going, "Oh well, that, that's not like him at all." And all the City fans watching were going, "It's very it's much like that him." That once or twice a game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Clichy's kind of he's dropped off since he arrived. He, he arrived in 2012, was pretty solid for his first couple of years, and hasn't quite hit those heights again. Um, so the, the left back issue's been been a problem all the all the time there, and. Otamendi and Di Michaelis haven't hit it off as a partnership. Di Michaelis and, and Mangala definitely haven't hit it off, off as a partnership. Mangala and, um, and Otamendi haven't either. And it just, it, it's it's fr- so frustrating watching them make, at, at least if they were making different errors every week, you, you could, yeah. in some way... It would have novelty. It would yeah, be if, something if different to talk but, about. But it's it's the same mistakes every week. It's one pushes out and the other one doesn't. Or it's, uh, I, I mean, Otamendi's got a death wish. I, how he's not been sent off yet in the league, I, yeah. I, I have no idea. Um, he's good for he's good for um, a slip. He's good for a, a two-footed challenge. And he's good for being caught out of position three times every match. Um, so it's a good job that, you know, the team coming to the Etihad this weekend doesn't have a centre-forward who's banging form, isn't it? Oh God. Um, well, we, you know, Raj and I before before we you came on, Raj and I were talking about a, a little briefly about the the game on Sunday, and um, not to not to sort of point fingers at every department of your team, but like the, the midfield also seems to be one of the features of that Leicester game was just how easily Leicester kind of moved through you. And I know there are there are counter attacking side, you know, try and find numerical this, um, numerical advantages by breaking quickly, but it seems that I don't know. I'm I'm not even. I mean, I was a big fan of Fernandinho in his first season in England, but I don't know what's going on in that part of the team as well. And maybe that, that sort of feeds into the defences issues and that just doesn't seem to be that much protection from that part of the pitch. I find so it quite unsettling at this point that all we've done <laughs> is ask questions about... Oh, we're getting the, to their forward line, so don't the worry. Holes we're going to balance City's it out. The holes in team when knowing we're... that every time we've gone there previously, Sergio Aguero sort of had a FIFA game where he's... We're going <laughs> to take half an hour on Aguero, don't we? <laughs> the ball just sort thing. of... Whenever it got anywhere close to him, he's put in about six. So I, I just want to say that my confidence isn't reflected in the questioning from Seb at all. Municipal still wakes up screaming, thinking about Sergio Aguero. Sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, 
uh, you even said this stat before about the fact that you don't win games back to back. You've just lost one, so you probably owed a performance. So there are all these little things that are playing on my mind that don't appear to be bothering Steph quite as much. I, I think you really do have to take into account that if you attack City at the moment, then they are vulnerable. Um, uh, just picking up the point on the midfield, it's it's interesting because um, there's a lot of City fans that will tell you that Fernandinho has been the player of the year this year. Um, he's pretty much been single-handedly the midfield. Um, Yaya Toure is not the youngest anymore. He's not. Uh, he's never been renowned for his uh, desire to, to properly uh, you know, track back and, and get into position, but... He's always been bailed out by his physicality and the fact that he, you know, he, he can control a game, you know, in his sleep. Um, he hasn't really been doing that this year, and it, it's kind of having the feeling like it's been one season too many. Um, and it's he's, sad that because he's I'm a, bit, a huge Yaya Torre fan. I yeah, there's. I, he, I, I don't think he's ever really got the recognition he properly deserved for the amount of influence he had in City's That's team over the two titles that. that quite they, um, and I think the the sad thing is to see is that he, you can see him still trying what he used to be able to do and it's just not quite working for him. His passing is still there. He can still pass a ball like I've never seen before. Uh, his shooting has, it, it went a bit wayward in the autumn, but it's it was coming back over Christmas. Um, the problem is, is Pellegrini relies on him so much. He, he trusts him more than anybody else. And that's a problem when you're playing two games a week because it just it, he doesn't have the legs anymore to do it. Um, Fernandinho's been great alongside him. I think Delft's been a bit of a revelation in the middle, um, but Pellegrini's got an obsession with playing him on the left wing to, to try and offer a bit of cover for uh, whichever left-back he's put in. Um, and David Silva's never been traditionally one that tracks back anyway, so that's I, no. that doesn't really help when it comes to... Uh, David to Silva's think. underrated, though, because he's a right dirty get sometimes. Well, he is. He, he gets away with so much because yeah, he's, he's, he, he, he looks, he looks like, like a choir boy, Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was just looking at the statistics, actually. Yaya Toure has, uh, apart, I mean, as many as uh, uh, Bakri he started more Premier League games than any other outfield, uh, uh, um, uh, outfield player in your squad, which is quite yeah, extraordinary that, given that, that he's 32. That doesn't make any sense because he's, he's the one that's that's the least able to as well. If, it, if, if Pellegrini had just had a little bit more... To, to, I mean, we saw him a few weeks ago against Crystal Palace, uh, drop him to the bench. City controlled the game against Palace, didn't really get themselves the uh, the advantage that they wanted. Then they brought Torre off the bench for the last half an hour and he ran the game in the last yeah. half an hour and it's exactly what he can do. Um, and yet week after week, he's there in the starting lineup and he's looking like a child in a playground. That's that's The game's just passing him by. And it's sad to see because he, he deserves so much better than that. He's He's been such a good player for the club. And it just isn't really clicking for him at the minute. And I, I think City haven't been very wise with how they've used him this year. They have had injuries, but uh, it's not really been... They've been too over-reliant on what I would call the spine of the team from, from 2012. It's still not changed. The, the team that won the title in, in 2012, the spine of that was Hart, Company, Torre, uh, Silva, Aguero, and it's still the same now. Yeah. I um, I mean, the, the, the Torre thing is really sad because um, this last six months, I mean, barring a couple of individual moments... Um, it, it seems to have played into the hands of all those people that have been so quick to, you know, to, to make kind of pejorative assumptions about Torre's attitude and his work rate. And it, it, it never takes more than a bad hour for that to happen. And you, you just, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, a couple of city fans I talked to on, on, on social media, you know, they'll they love Torre and quite rightly so, but it's, I don't know. It's just, um, it's there's so been, regrettable I, how, yeah, how, how there's sort been of the, something 
special saved for him. I don't I don't really understand why it's been so much more vitriolic towards him than That's anybody it, else. It? It's um so it, nasty. He's the first one to be branded lazy when the when not tracking back yet when it comes down to it the, the, there'll be five or six other players that are stood there watching the game goodbye as well That's and it. they they don't get the same the same criticism and I think um I think it's right. I I, I think the which, given everything that he's contributed, I mean, you brought it up a few minutes ago, in that, you know, in both your title-winning seasons, right, you can sort of, you can almost pinpoint his his individual contribution at critical moments. Yeah. I think. I mean, so, like that goal at Newcastle in in um in, uh, in the first yeah. one, uh, the goal at Palace in the second. I mean, he he just he he is the guy who, when you need someone, you know, into the phone booth, he goes, the cape goes on, and he produces. <laughs> When it absolutely matters, and players like that are so rough. Well, that's it. Special. Well, and I, th- I think part of it, um, I, I, I don't, I, I don't like to to brand mass, um, mass sections of supporters. One. Thing. Oh, we do. So go ahead. Uh, well, that's that's fine. what we yeah. do on this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think part of it com- simply comes down to the fact that he's African, and people don't expect that from an African player. Um, I think a lot of people expect him to be this big brute and bully because of his size and his and his shape when actually he can caress a ball like you you've never really seen before he can That's he can whack it like the best but he can also pull off the i mean there was a, an assist that he did in the i think it was the third game of this season uh that that won the game at, uh, at everton um he just he, he kind of sideswiped the ball and put so much um side spin on it that it just dropped neatly into the path of nasri and oh, that was the second it, goal, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it just tempted yeah, yeah. it off his line, and Nasri just chipped it over him. It was it was such a brilliant assist. It took out about four or five players in one move, and it was so light footed that you wouldn't that, that anybody that would expect him, based on his size and his strength, to pull off that. Just you would never have seen. You would, they would never have said he, he could do that sort of thing. And yet, that's not that's not been the first time he's done it for City. He's done it pretty much once a game since he's been at the club. So he, he gets these unfair kind of. Prejudgments based, I think, on his on his size and shape. It's more his skin color, I would argue. But... Yeah, well, I, yeah I, I, his skin color and his well. don't do him any favors with with what is ultimately quite a um a I mean old fashioned. Let's put it nicely. Um, I mean the reaction to 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 her in this country is just I don't know. It's kind of at times it's been pretty shameful. I think it is. Actually. It's sad to see, really. It's horrible. Um, okay, so that, that's kind of a, a neat segue. Um, we can't have you on really without talking about Guardiola. Um, <laughs> we're all kind of well, we're not jealous actually. How do we, we segue from racism to Guardiola? By the way, is this, is this well, something I'm missing? Seamlessly. Well, no, because I was going to bring it into because you know Tory and and Guardiola are not natural allies in the football world. Oh, I thought you were making accusations that you you know <laughs> cashing exactly. checks no. that you, you didn't have the money for. No, no, no I was. <laughs> no, 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 I um, I it just because obviously um. Dimitri Salak, Yaya Torre's agent, was pretty... I mean, I think it took him less than 24 hours to to kind of suggest his client was on his way out um, after Guardiola was appointed. So what do you expect in the summer, David, beyond um, sort of the, the, the tactical implications? What do you mean? What, what do you make of kind of... Um, what do you expect in terms of squad movement once he arrives? Well, I, I'd be furious if City next season don't line up with Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> and all of the other best that you well. could possibly. Yeah, Neymar as well. I'd, I'd be absolutely. I will be spitting feathers if they're if they're not in the squad next season. Don't worry. Uh, the, the Daily Mail <laughs> says it's going to happen, so you can take that to the bank. Oh, bang on then. Yeah. Uh, no, in, in all honesty, um, I, I I I don't really know how to answer this question because I don't really know is the answer. Um, I I would expect. 
Uh, Sergio Aguero has just signed a new uh, long-term deal, which I'm sure will please you a lot because he seems to like a goal against Spurs. Oh, uh, aside from when he plays against us, I, I'm a big Aguero. <laughs> he's great. He's just you, you can't he, admire him. To be fair. I, I got a lot of criticism. I, I went on to uh, Talk Sport the other night and I, I said I, I, I worry about David Silva's position in the team because I don't think he's the type of Guardiola player. And what I mean by that is not that he's not skillful enough because he's been one of the best players in the league. Um, I, I just I what I I worry about is that his work ethic isn't the same as what Guardiola quite often expects from his team. He, he Guardiola is another one like uh, Klopp who likes to, the teams to press high, win the ball back high. And Silva does that from time to time when he feels like it. And, uh, you know, he's, he's now the wrong side of 30. And I don't really see that changing in his game. I don't really see him suddenly going, oh, well, Pep's here, so we now need to, we're now doing this and this is what I'm going to do. And so I, I genuinely can see him uh, looking at Silver and thinking he's not my type of player. Um, whether or not he gets rid of him is, is immaterial because the, if you ask any City fan, there will, uh, David Silver could be 86 and there will be room for him in City's squad. Yeah. yeah. So that I, 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 I can see why fans would be upset by that. But then again, Guardiola isn't the type of manager that shies away from making the tough choice either. Well, he um, marginalised Mario Goetze pretty quickly. Um, Jordan Shakiri obviously never really... Jordan Shakiri was essentially bombed out of Bayern Munich because of his work rate. Um, it's that, that's the thing, and that's, and that's what worries me yeah. for Silver. And it's, he's, he's a player that I really don't want to see go, but somebody that I, I can see leaving. Um, I think Torre, like you said, is, uh, is pretty much done and dusted out the door because um, the two don't really get on, do they? Um, and I, like we said earlier, I think he's. I think it's been one season too many this year. Um, I can see the fullbacks as well struggling. I think Zabaleta, as much as as he's been good for City, I can see him um, kind of like looking at it and going, "Well, you know what? I've I've got a bit of a legacy here, and it's it, enough's enough now, and it's it's time to move on." And off to again, China. That yeah. that'd be a sad one to see, and because I I think with Zabaleta as well, is a lot of, a lot of people saw him retiring at City because he was he, he's he's become kind of Mister Manchester City. He's he's the most Mancunian Argentinian you'll ever meet. Um, when he when he's supposed he to be a very like, nice guy as well. From well, he is, yeah, that's, anybody that's I've ever thing. talked about that has just has glowed. That's the thing. When he arrived, I mean, I love the story. When he arrived, he uh, the first thing he did was find the local chippy, and that just that that <laughs> warms your heart, doesn't it? It does. It's just it's funny. One, you um you touched on this earlier, but um to outsiders, we look at obviously the the players that you've had through the club, and and you know it's just every position has had a lot of investment, and yet your fullback choice is still well your left sided fullback choice is still between Alexander Kolarov and Gail Clichy. Is that is yeah. that is that the anomaly to you guys that it is to most of us? Yeah, I just I just wonder um, if it's one of those positions where. Yeah, you know, for years and years, the team, the the the, um, the director of football, Chiki Bigaristan, and um, Ferran Soriano, the CEO, have have kind of looked at it and gone, well, you know what, it could be worse, it could be better, but it's not really the problem area because every kind of summer ever since I'd say Pellegrini arrived in 2013, um, there's been problems in the squad that desperately need addressing. Um, in in 2013, it was the strikers. There was there was only Aguero that was pretty much carrying the team uh, in Mancini's final year. Uh, Tevez was off, and Jacko was Jacko. Jacko uh, was Jacko. was hit and miss. Mm. Um, so that they were in this position where they needed to bring seemed, some. Seemed strikers. pretty hit at White Hart Lane when you beat. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, I, I think after that game, he didn't score for three months. So it, you know, he swings and roundabouts. Um, but he. So that so they addressed that. Then the following year, after they'd won the title, it was it was pretty plainly obvious um, 
in in that that they just needed a bit of strength in depth through the middle. They needed a central midfielder. Uh, they needed a centre half, and they went out and they sorted those sorts of things out. Um, and then kind of it's only kind of now three four years down the line we've gone hang on we should probably have sorted the fullbacks out at some point and it's never been done so i, I just wonder if um if that's it the other possible uh, explanation is of course that uh, there's just no brilliant fullbacks out there that are within city's kind of range if you know what i mean um because as much as city have got the money to spend they've got to be able to target players that would be willing to move to manchester and, and set up in the squad um so maybe they just don't exist maybe maybe city have got the best that's available to them um you know when you, know you mention it actually there's a real dearth of, of really good left-sided fullbacks i mean I, I can think of maybe david alaba um you know uh geordie alba obviously but, but other than thing. that those not, aren't really achievable players away, that's, that's it yeah that's it. So yeah. maybe they're just not out there. Maybe maybe City just need to to kind of ride the look and just see what they can get at some point in the future. Because I I actually I'm a bit disappointed that uh, that United got Luke Shaw because he was he was one of those that that might have been able with a bit of with a bit of tweaking and a bit of a bit of training up he might have been uh, been a, been a good one to have. Um, as it happens, we, we're not going to see him for for some time because of his injury. But uh, but he's one of them that. Uh, you know, you might look at as as a potential, not maybe yeah. uh, someone who could have replaced Kolarov. Two or, or three years, maybe. You two know, or three he, years, yeah. Is there um and be kind with your answer? Um, is are there any Spurs players that you uh you covet at the moment? You're not having any of them, by the way. But if you did, <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically. Um, well, it's funny because I'd not really thought about this question, so I'm not really uh, up on your squad at the minute. But uh, from what I've seen, I'm going. I'm, I'm entirely when it's not City, it's I'm in, entirely highlights fan. By the way, so I I I liked the way that Eric Lamella ran the game at uh, White Hart Lane for you guys when when we faced each other earlier in the season. We had that nightmare in the second half. Yeah. Um, and uh, Christian Eriksen, as far as I can tell, has been been fantastic in the midfield for you. Obviously, Harry Kane's been been banging him in pretty much left, right, and centre. And bizarrely, he's having a good season again this year. I'm going under the radar, as far as I can tell. Um, so I I just think, obviously, City have got some great striking talent in there. They've been a bit lightweight this year with the strikers. Uh, Bonnie's not really hit it off, and Ian Acho. Which is just weird. I, I thought. I mean, Ian Acho is. I, I I can't see how he doesn't become a star. He's, oh, he's, he's got to. He's, he's got to. He's, he's and, and no one talks about him outside your fan. But I, I was speaking to. Well, I was reading um, uh, some of Rob Pollard's tweets actually, um, and he, 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 you know, he he's very um, he's pretty effusive in his praise for you know. Actually, <laughs> just, yeah, the rest of the world just if that was I've always thought if that was a if if put him at like a, a Manchester United or a Liverpool and nobody would shut up about him. He'd have already yeah. been elevated to that weird kind of Danny Welbeck level where. But he's barely played this year, and that's barely playing. But... Um, and I think that's the thing: it, it, the, the the likes of the Danny Welbecks they they came into the team and they played for quite a bit, if, if I remember rightly. They they kept getting substitute appearances. Pellegrini's really kept Giannaccio on a really tight leash and not let him not let him out into the into the team that often. Um, and it's almost as if that FA Cup game against Aston Villa when he got the start, it's almost as if he had actually went, right, you, I'm going to show you what I can oh, do. So, and he yeah, did it. exactly right. And it, it's, it seems to have worked for him this year. And if he can keep him kind of that eager and that hungry to, to go into next season, um, I have no doubt that he, that he could be a great player for City. He's, he is one of the most exciting young prospects I can see. Now, we'd love to claim him as one of the academy graduates, but we brought yeah. him in at the start last season. So, yeah, I was going to say about two years ago. He's not quite, he's not... Um... You're, I mean, the the academy is really interesting because I um I haven't been but I've I've seen all the pictures and, and and read quite a lot up on it and I think it's just I think that more than anything and people will say that, that Guardiola is coming to City 
for the contract and the wages. And of course, it, to some extent, he is. But also, you've kind of you've built the club to fit him into it. So you've got an infrastructure into which he he will quite happily slot because obviously your training facility is. I mean, it's it's not a replica, but it's it's very similar to La Masia in terms of it, what it what it's set up to do, um, in terms of housing players as well as um, uh, as well as training them. Um, and it's kind of one of those sort of understated details about City in that, you know, whilst a lot of money has been spent on the first team and an awful lot has been spent on managers, and you know, that there is this sort of building inf- building of infrastructure which has gone on in the background, which is um, probably the key to sort of you know this this next era. Uh, yeah, there is. I I am a bit cynical about it, really. I'm I, I don't I don't know if this is the right way to look at it, but I, I I don't think the club really cares that much as long as they're self-sufficient in one way or another. And I think it it kind of stems back to the fact that if they produce players that are good enough for the first team, then great. If they don't, then they get sold on and they use the money to buy players yeah. for, for for the first team. So it's kind of win-win. Um, they're not get, they don't get punished for financial fair play for investing into the academy. So it, it just kind of. I swear, it's, it's just, another kind of factory line to, to to kind of feed financial fair play. If they get the players, great. If they don't, then no big deal, is it? I suppose it's it's kind of I, it's a relative situation in a way because Chelsea's approach to financial fair play was just to buy everything and to kind of become football prospectors in a way, so that you you buy players, you loan them out, you buy a lot of attacking players who typically appreciate in value quite sharply and quite quickly, and then regardless of whether players ever play a minute for for Chelsea, they get sold on for profit. Um, and it was just a different way of approaching that. So yeah, it's, it's all aimed at self-sufficiency. But I just, it was, it's just a little more palatable than the the kind of maybe it's just a geographical <laughs> rivalry thing. But it just, it was marginally less cynical. Oh no, don't don't get me wrong. City, City are are much more ethically um, up there than Chelsea. I don't, don't have any doubt about that whatsoever. Um, but I, I, the other thing with the academy as well is is that uh, it, it's kind of like the the last stepping stone for City that, uh, in in this. This grand project they've got to somehow be the ultimate rulers of the universe. They, they, <laughs> they've. If you look at it from the outside now, you would, you could argue that they've got the best. They, they're not playing like it, but they, you could argue they've got the best squad in the Premier League. Um, they've got uh, the best facilities in the Premier League. They've got the best um, stadium kind of prospects in the Premier League because they're they're developing the stadium as well. Uh, they've got the best academy, and arguably next season they've got the best manager as well. So the future surely has. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
to to kind of come together in some way to being good in that sense. But you know, this is City. City City can find a way to muck everything up in the most inventive of ways. This is the club that that is is the only team in in the English league to have finished with a, a negative goal difference after scoring a hundred goals. The only team to have gone down as champions. <laughs> this is the only team that has ever held the ball in the corner flag to safely ensure relegation. It just it there's there's so much. Oh, that good old Niall Quinn. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, there's so much this club can do wrong that that whether whether they succeed or not, it's going to be funny for everybody else. So I don't see why anybody needs to get so so worked up about it. To be honest. All right, so um, just to close off, I'm gonna I'm gonna press you for a prediction for Sunday. I reckon you'll do. Matt, you're gonna batter us. Um, we can't defend. We can't keep the ball. (laughs) Uh, I am a big admirer. Pochettino's done something for for Spurs that I didn't think possible, and he's made me like them. Um. I I've hated Spurs ever since uh, we we won that FA Cup game the the four three at White Hart Lane. It was almost as if Tottenham went on this one kind of team crusade that City would never win there again. And we we had years and years of two one defeats home and away. And it was only uh, even with that 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 kind of Champions League season did when Paul we were Stout both. Terry playing. once score against you. Sorry, did, did Paul Stal Terry was that? I can't remember. I remember vaguely Staltari scoring against City off the crossbar. Might have been I, someone else. But I, I can't remember. But it, I mean, it even dates back to the, the FA Cup in 81 when you, you know, it's just, oh, there's just so much Spurs <laughs> there. And Pochettino's come in. He's got quite a good young squad. He's got them playing quite good, attractive football. Um, he's quite a likeable person himself. And I'm sat here thinking, you know what? If City don't win the league and, you know, Leicester do fall away, I kind of hope it's Spurs. And... I would, you know, three years ago, not a chance would I have thought that. So uh, he's got that going for him. Um, he's you're playing some lovely, attractive football. Uh, combined with City's inability to defend, I really worry about this game. Uh, if you don't score uh, two or three, then you've had a bad day at the office. Interesting. All right, David, thank you very much. And um, sort of best of luck for Sunday and good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, I can only hope that, that uh, Spurs get struck down by some horrible food poisoning virus or something <laughs> the night before. And, uh, That's yeah. happened to us, though, so don't joke <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's a cruel memory. Oh, dear. No. Sorry about that. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. No worries, mate. Ever, if you ever need anything in future, just drop me a line. I appreciate that. Thank you very much to David um, for his chat about Manchester City. Uh, I'll let you take the lead on that, Seb, because I'm Famously, I'm, I'm not allowed to ask questions about Manchester City too much because no, not after the great incident. No, no, there's no great incident. I just, I, I, when I ask proper questions, you and Jack get a bit scared that I'm not brown nosing people. So I, uh, I, I tend to step away when this fixture comes up. Similarly with Chelsea, just because you know those two, those two clubs have questions to answer for that you two don't enjoy me asking. Let us move on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Because, uh, like I say, you you don't enjoy. Yeah, no, that was me moving you on from the subject, not an invitation for you to stop talking and then start talking about the same thing again. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. You you said we were going to win the league half an hour ago, so let me have my moment of uh, of being self righteous. Because uh, you know, no, self righteous about saying we're going to win the league. That's optimism. Right. Um, who have we got then? Should we do questions? We've got nothing. Yeah, go on then. Do you want to speak about the city game? Um, I mean, he was he was quite. Adamant that we were going to get some joy there, which, as I said to him, um, one of the few things I said was, you know, it's, that makes me deeply uncomfortable given the, the previous experiences we have with going now. I mean, the, obviously we, we did batter him for one earlier on in the year, but that seemed to be sort of one of those performances at home where things sort of fall into place for us. And 
and you know the White Hart Lane crowd whips up into a frenzy at the similar time as the the, the squad sort of you know sees something happening and and like uh, an animal, as Kike Sanchez Flores would say, killing some prey. They they just sort of got the job done, and I'm not sure that. <laughs> that translates to an away game at the Etihad. No, I, I I agree with him. I think we'll win. I, I um, don't enjoy how positive you are, Seb. I'm, I really must mate, admit we just we it, do miserable so often. It's just nice. It's I'm, just It's refreshing. not miserable. It's realistic. I mean, it's I, not I, realistic, I, I am, mate. They're not that good. I, they they are not. They, they let's move. We've got to snap out I'm of this. Not, I'm not a negative person, and I, and I rarely am on this podcast either. I mean, if anything, we get told off for being too chirpy and too happy yeah, but not by, no, yeah but not by people that matter no but I mean you no, know but, it's I mean, just sort of they're, they're, they're people that snipe for the sake of sniping they're the kind it, of the, it almost um, feels as if the real be, deals and the, it, and the it, dial up cretins of the world it almost feels as if you've gone off the other end now and sort of are you doing this oh, as um, some sort of elaborate troll <laughs> to, to nobody else but me um, yeah, this is. You've spent too long. This is te- my Yakin Phoenix kind of conceptual project that I'm doing. Yeah. Positive Spurs for a laugh. Yeah. I don't <laughs> enjoy it. I mean, it's just uncomfortable when you look at the league table and we're second comfortably. It's just. I have no idea how to handle this. It's it's something that's never happened before. Even when, like, in the Rednap years where we were finishing fourth by a sort of a, a whisper, it, it was never this. I mean, that, there was that year where he blew third, but that was third. It's not as if there was a handful of games left and there was a realistic chance of a title tilt. It's um, it's really not sort of... Embrace it, Raj. No need to fear it. Enjoy it, mate. It's just, you know... No, I am, I am enjoying it, and I enjoy it in my own way, but it's when you articulate it in such a sort of... I, I'm being honest. I can only be honest. It's, it's just what I think. I think we'll go there and I think we'll win. I think we're better. I think we're equipped to beat them there. I think, yes, you've got to be careful of the Aguaros and the Silvers and the Sterlings, of course. But I think you've been drinking. That's the no, no, just they're not to be they're not to be feared anymore. It's not the same team. They're not the kind of I think there's enough there to hurt us. I think it's there is enough there, but there's enough to think every team has enough to hurt us, mate. It's it's one of those things, you know, we are when when we are set up properly, we can do whatever we like wherever we want to. We did the same thing at the Emirates. You know, everyone said there that they'd be too strong for us and this would be, you know, a game too far and this would be where we'd lose our, our unbeaten record and we didn't. I'll take a draw against City any day of the week. Yeah, and I think we're more than... Well, I, I, so would I, but I think we're capable of winning the game. And I, I think we're capable think, of winning the game, but I'm not going to go out and say, I think we're going to. As if it's some kind of... Weird jinx. We're not typical Spurs. We got to, you know, as I, as I said before, we I know we're not, but it, it almost feels cocky, and which I don't like. You know, there's this thing that sort of the way in which you, I've, I've said this in the past, but there's almost this like self belief level that I find acceptable, and then this sort of you know when Southampton had a good run and their fans suddenly thought they were Barcelona, and when they lost a few games, sort of the that they got deflated and then similarly with Leicester fans at the minute and obviously they're doing really well but they're getting slightly ahead <laughs> of themselves they're doing quite well mate they're five points clear at the top of the league they're doing quite well at the moment in, getting, in, you know, in February they're, they're, it's they're pretty getting, good <laughs> they're getting slightly ahead of themselves still with sort of you know all their memes you know and what things. when it's no uh, the thing is I, 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 I've been quite negative about Leicester at times but, but in, I think I know, I, what I'm saying they're is entitled they, to I enjoy themselves mate they're entitled to confidence to, to turn into arrogance because arrogance is when 
it comes and bites you in the arse, and you actually—it's not it. arrogance, and and also, what you got to remember, it has no no bearing on what the team actually do. It's not like you know your Deli Alleys and your Harry Kane's and and your Toby Alderweireds are are queuing up, you know, are, are spending their nights listening to to rule the roost and How being lulled know? into a full sense of security. How do you know? Because they never send in any questions, so obviously they don't. How do you know they're not doing it under pseudonym? I don't know. Well, exactly. <laughs> there so you go. This All is right, you okay, kai washing yeah. it. Um, I think I think I get very superstitious about this sort of thing. It's just because I've like yeah, but I we said, okay. Well, then fine. But then you you've been superstitious, and we've all been reserved, and we've talked about oh well, you know, we're Tottenham, so we have real no no real business winning at the Etihad. And how has that served us? No, I, I don't it, it think we don't have any business winning there. I just don't want to well, say. I wasn't you. I, I just mean that's that's a sort there. of a, a typical. I don't expect us to win. I just I think that's we will. what you've been saying. I think we no. I just think we will win. You know, in the same way that if someone asked me to predict any game, I think one team is going to win or, you know, I'll give a score prediction and I think we'll win. I'm not ashamed of it. And I, if we lose, so be it. I, but don't, then I don't like this at all. It's just completely right. throwing you off, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Let's move to questions, mate. That's your comfort I've, zone. I want Tottenham to be shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. It's easier on me. Um, bring back Anthony Gardner. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back Raziak. They were, they, those were the days. No, I've just stepped too far. Um, that. Right, no, don't bring that um, That's fine. Um, not so skinny. Pete says, uh, "What is the one position that needs upgrading the most?" And do you think Bentaleb will be sold in the summer? It's striker, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't think Bentaleb's going anywhere after. And upgrade is the wrong word as well. We just need to strengthen it. Yeah. I don't think, is there any position that needs upgrading synonyms. at all? Do you think? No, no, I don't think so. I think we're fine. No, I couldn't point my finger at anywhere um, um benjamin odell says uh the table as it is would you swap the leicester fa cup win for the league loss uh because we'd be top would you be would uh, would you get knocked out of the cup by leicester to be top of the league at the moment uh yeah because the game that we lost at the league um meant that i got home at one thirty in the morning having watched and paid for it so yes, yeah, so I'm quite happy to change that's, the two. That's <laughs> incredibly selfish. I would I, I keep things exactly as they are, um, because I, um, I, if I'm going to borrow from your disconcertingly sunny disposition, um, I think it's better to be chasing at this stage in league rather than be the one being chased down. Because I think the the pressure's on top more than it is second. I think if you've if you're sort of if you're within touching distance, then you've got uh, you've got a bit more room to play with than if you're top and you sort of you know you've you've got everything to lose essentially. Whereas we don't at the minute. <laughs> I don't think. Um, God, just give us another game against Carabag for God's sake. Um, Jonathan Liu, um, the brilliant... one of the best riders in the country. Jonathan Liu, follow yeah, him if you're not. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, brilliant writer. He does. It does. Uh, what warms my heart the most is that he's one of few big name writers who writes wonderful, positive, glowing things about rugby league in a in an articulate way, and oh. uh, that's that's the fastest way to my heart. Yes, <laughs> um, he's a, he's a thoroughly nice chap as well. Yeah, so, he had um, an incredibly which... good piece in uh, in Rugby League World recently about how the game had won him over um, as somebody who had no real past in it um which i thoroughly enjoyed uh but he says uh 2015-16 tottenham versus the 2011-12 side with modric and bale who wins um essentially that's 
it's it's individuals against the team, isn't it? I trust. <laughs> we talk do about you put the, do you put the managers there because I, I back Pochettino to outthink Red. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to you have to include um include the managers in Jonathan's question because uh, Redknapp that 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 Redknapp team was built in his own image. Yeah, Red that Redknapp team will probably sort of they'll attack us as Redknapp did, but this this team's probably too well organized for that team to break down. Yeah, I think it's too smart. I think that it it's. I don't accept that. Rafa van der Vaart doesn't get an inch against Eric Dyer. No. <laughs> it's as weird as that no. is to say. No. Eric Dyer just hangs on him like a bloodhound. I mean, Luka Modric. I, I is, also I don't think, think Modric I... is probably the, the biggest threat within that team. I think Modric will probably, probably has the intelligence to sort of skip past and, and give Dembele shadows to chase. I don't think Bale dominates Walker because Bale was a purely a left winger then. Um, and yeah, he's not. The, he, he's not. He, the would, he wasn't the sort of the Real Madrid player that he is now, or, or in or, or what he was. I think Carl Walker's probably good for like a, a possible red card in that encounter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, no, not I, because I think, Carl I think it'd be very close. But I, I, I think actually the word I'd use is I think this this current team is too smart for that other team. Yeah, I think I loved what. No, I don't get it wrong. I, it was one of the real privilege to watch it, and I, I enjoyed every minute of watching that Redknapp team at mm. its best because it was. I I'll never forget that, the, the way people used to talk about us when. But when, it's 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 essentially it's, it was, it's hat and mere weather, isn't it? It is. It is. It's um yeah. I I, I think oh, that's such a pretty good analogy. Um, I'm full I think, of them. You sound Tottenham, surprised. T- Tottenham, t- Tottenham 2011 would be all punches and walking into strong right jabs. And you know, and uh, eventually it would cost them in the later round. In the later rounds. Um, next question from Spurs memory man. I actually really dislike this question because I think it's the the type of pitfall that you know it's the what if question that that people sort of at the end of the season start asking themselves at the bottom of a pint when sort of you've <laughs> missed out on the league by a point or something like that. But he says, of all the points we've dropped this season, which were most avoidable and will hurt us the most? Um, I mean... I think that's two different questions. I don't... For me, what's what's done is done. So I, I, I don't really care about yeah. what's gone in the past. But It's Newcastle, but um, I don't... I don't. I, I agree with Raj. I mean, it's, it's what's done is done. I, it was the most disappointing There's a Stoke one as well, the 2-0. Uh, up. No, I resented Newcastle more yeah. because I it annoyed me more, and I I accept that actually Stoke are a pretty. I mean, I know they they've dropped off a little bit recently, but Stoke are a pretty good team. They were allowed um, back into that game. Newcastle. That, that, was, not that a good wasn't team. that wasn't a good Stoke performance. That was a that was Tottenham. F- just I think uh, to be honest, would Tottenham be as resilient now had they not gone through that disappointing experience? You you don't know. Maybe that's. One I don't think Alderweireld would... makes that mistake now. Now, but was, having made yeah. the mistake, does that make him better? I th- uh, hard to say. I mean, he... I, I'm I'm a firm believer in sort of you know when shit happens, it's how you react that matters the most. Yeah. So shit having happened, that that makes him a better player in my opinion. I think. Um, if he doesn't make that mistake, he makes the mistake at another point. Having made it in that fixture, it's something he he learns and moves on from. So, like I say, um, there's no particular games that I would fixate on. Um, getting back on uh, Dominic Garcia. Actually, we'll leave that one towards the end because it's not it's not football. Um, 
um, Trill Mustache Club says, what remote Siberian outpush, outpost should all the people calling for throwing the Europa League be sent to? Gosh. I agree uh, with him though. You don't you don't throw a European competition. I don't care what you think you're going to do in the league. You, like I say, that that that's arrogant. You thinking you're above a competition because there is possibility of another one. Like I said to Jack last week, it's you know you throw the Europa League and then you don't win the league. You've wasted a competition you could have quite easily won for uh, you know a, a slim chance at something else that wasn't ever a guarantee. It's not a payoff. That the maths doesn't work for me. It's not. No, I agree with you. Don't against me. I agree completely. So um, I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what um, outpost. Maybe stick them on the R and Express and, and find out how many of them get killed. Um, if that's not, racist. if that's not, you know, too too grim. Um, Tack pays Coys, um says if we were to sell any midfielder this summer because of a lack of first team time, who would you who would be most likely to go? Tom Carroll. Tom Carroll. Yeah. Do you know? I think Tom Carroll sort of played himself into favour with Pochettino. Yeah, he's done very well, but he's still the least talented of all of them, in my opinion. He he's the most. I mean, it, it's not he's a, the most expendable. Yeah, the question is not would you want to sell him? It's a, if someone was to be sold and if, if there was one that had to go for whatever reason, it would be him. I think he'd be the... Do you think that's the, the decision Pochettino makes? Yep, I think so. Okay. I think with a... I, I don't think... Yeah, I, I can't see him. He's not... You know, you, you're not going to sell Dyer, Dembele or Ericsson. Um, Bentaleb, I can't imagine this, the club would give up on him. Carroll... Yeah, I just he, he he has the the lower ceiling of all of them, um, and that's not to say that I want him to go or you know don't um, don't think that he's done well and it's, it, with the opportunities he's had. It's just that you know one has to go. Would be him. You know what Pochettino does with these players though. It's often the one that you don't expect to be fantastic is the one that he gets through to the most. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have a, a Mister Dembele situation with Tom Carroll though. He's not. Um, he's not going to turn into Luka Modric. He's not going to turn to Luka Modric, I'm afraid, no. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, Gene Mackey says, um, what kind of fee would it take in the summer for us to cash in on Lamella? I feel we've had him for so long that cashing in on him now would be a mistake. He's going to improve further next season and Pochettino seems to like him a lot. Uh, is there any fee that you'd take for him? Has every player got a prize or would you sort of, is he an integral well, well, part yeah, of the squad? If, if someone comes up with a silly amount of money, then, you know, uh, fine, but... I don't see the value in selling him. I think he's. I think this has been a, a huge season for him personally. I think he's. He's. Um, if he hasn't quite turned into what people thought he might, I mean, in terms he's turned of, into something else. He's sort of he's turned into something which is incredibly useful and something whether I, I, I still see people having a go at him, which I find extraordinary. I mean, he he is going to when he is attacking, he's going to give the ball away and he's going to do things which frustrate the crowd. But you got to look beyond that. You got to look what. As with every other, every time he team, loses it, he wins it back twice. He wins it back. That's it. And you think every other player in that squad is, is judged in terms of what they give to the team as a whole. But yet, there's still this kind of lingering perception that that Lamella should actually be Gareth Bale, and just that's got to go because Lamella has played an awful lot of games. He's played very well in most of them, and we're second in the league. The argument's over about him. He's he's a good player. He's worth his place in the team. He's at least worth the opportunity to keep fighting for his place in the team and alternating with 
um, with Son perhaps or Chadley or whoever, but he is a valuable asset now. And, and the kind of the, the, the time for saying, oh, no, give up, get rid of him get at any price, get him off the wedge, but it's, it's over. Let it go. Um, Joe Patrick says, I think this is for Jack, but obviously Jack's not here. And Jack's just the only reason Jack's not here is because he says he's tired, which is a poor excuse as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, no, I'm gonna stick stick up for my elderly brother there. And you're not elderly. Um, you're in your early thirties. You can you can last. No, 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 no. It's, it's Jack, half Jack's having to that. work. I won't say what Jack does, but he um Jack's. In fact, it's gonna sound a bit sinister if I don't say what he does. Um, he works he, at um, night. He, he's, he's had to work nights recently, <laughs> so we got, and he did over, over the weekend. <laughs> Um, Joe Patrick, anyway, uh, Jack publicly muted someone who tweets about advanced statistics and analytics. Aggressive, in my opinion. So, question, what is the role of statistics in fandom? And that's probably more for you, Seb, because uh, you get more annoyed by these things than, than I tend to, because, I mean, I, I've worked for the biggest statistics company in the world. So, yeah. I, uh, I've been on the other side of the curtain and have sort of, read enough literature on that sort of thing to actually understand and, and interpret that sort of thing to to some degree uh, of accuracy, whereas you and Jack are uh, a bit more cold to that and you, you're more of a consumer than than I've, I think I am. I mean, it's not something I particularly use much in my own writing. Not I don't think I don't... it's about using, because I, 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 I don't really dispute the value. No, it's, I'm just saying it's, it's it's not something I I don't see the value of. It's just that it's not something I would... It's not the first tool I I look for myself when when looking to sort of tell the story of a match or something. I mean, if, if you're doing a if you're doing a, a player comparison or something, as long as you, you as long as you're using the relevant statistics in in a manner that allows a wider context to be there as supporting uh, data, for want of a better phrase, then then that's perfectly fine by me. I think that's the most useful. Um, way to to take that sort of um, that that level of data collection and apply it to sport in a sort of in a in an understandable and a beneficial way. But um, you're you're much more skeptical than me. I think it's uh, fair to it's say. Not, I, look, I, I I appreciate the value of statistics in football, and I they of course they have a role, and they you know, and I I don't agree with disputing their use in player recruitment and. You know, I, I'm aware of all the predictive modelling that goes on. And, but if more, know, somebody makes a chart with a hundred dots on it, you I don't you care get about mad. it. It's not. It's, it, it, you do joking, get mad. Jokingly, I do. I just think that, that the problem is, and this is one of the the issues with the um, between this, this the, the analytics community and everybody else is that I grew up watching the game. I grew up watching football as a as a sensory entity, and the way I approach the game would always be different. I will not look at spreadsheets and charts and all, all that kind of stuff first because it's not where my interest lies and you know simply not not wanting to read articles about expected goals is not necessarily dismissive of the art of writing them or disrespectful of you know um if i'm being their place in the game all, i just I don't find, want um, to read it i find it boring i, I sometimes find that because the level of of statistics that are being analysed are quite advanced, that the 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 enjoyment within the article can suffer. Um, I, I agree. It becomes like reading binary code sometimes, and it can. And I, it, look, it can. I, I, it's that, almost that like an the, academic paper, isn't it? It's trying, well, that's uh, it. Sort it's of, an, uh, and there's no and, harm and, in that because no, because I think this country, game, I think this country really does need to catch up and sort of 
realised that football is is perhaps more academic than we allow it to be sometimes. I mean, we, there's a there's a big definitely, difference between definitely. you know Fletch and Sav and you know a, a three thousand <laughs> word essay about uh, expected goals or whatever you, you'd referenced. But I think there's a happy medium for us to find in between. I, I think the, the idea, mate, is actually to respect how everybody wants to consume the game because I have no problem with people. I, I, I'm not one of those people that sort of you know, is going to fight against the existence of this stuff because obviously it has a place. I just, when I, when you talk about using things like statistics and that kind of stuff, you're, you're referencing what I'm, what, what I might put in one of my own articles. And I want to write about crowds and noise and um, the sort of the, the art of the, not to be pretentious at all, but like the, the sort of the visual aspects mm. of the game. And Is there any yes, point okay, you that might... you, you would ever, uh, you know, writer to writer, not to be too wanky, but is there any point you ever you ever find yourself thinking, okay, I've made this point here, but if there is perhaps a a piece of numerical information that can back up the thing that I've just said, just to make this more authoritative than just sort of this is what I've seen. What you mean, in like died. a like a, a, a sort of not what I would call an advanced statistic, but a just okay. a, just a supporting piece of data. So you know, we, you've just spoken about how. Eric Lamella is a very useful player. Is rather than would I use of, numbers, sort of like you know re- ball retrieval statistics to back that up? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. but only in the right context. I exactly. Mean, I, if if I had to, and if it, if it made sense within the article, I wouldn't habitually look to base an article around numbers because it, that's just a preference. It's, it's a seesaw thing, though, isn't it's it? Just, if, if you go one well, yeah. too far down one end, then you you you're skipping off too far of the other. Well, it's also ultimately it's not what I'm good at. I wasn't good. I wasn't a, a, a good mathematician at school. I wasn't, you know, numbers aren't a strength, and therefore, and also, it's not something I enjoy. And I, I but you know, just again out of preference, I want to write about topics which I enjoy in a way that I enjoy writing. I think um, just to just to voice Jack's opinion here, I think he would say that they're shit and that they're a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think there'd be any any. Uh, I they have a place. There'd I just, be no politics from Jack here. He would uh, he would quite publicly call them out for being a waste of time. I, I think um, I, if that's I not the I, case, I, Jack, feel free to you can, uh, can write in and dispute it. Yeah, feel free to write in. You know the email address. I, I just think you know you know what it is. It's that I um the way I look at it. Uh, when I when I, when I read through an article, the moment I get to some kind of expected goals number, I stop reading. Not because I don't value it; it's just because I can't read it. I don't. It, it's not a. It's not an enjoyable use of my time. I'd much rather read like um, a George Culkin article, a Roy Smith article, a Jonathan Liu article, like stuff which you know. That's what that's that's what I react to. That's where I respond to as a person, and that's and that's purely preference. It's not. I, I'm not saying right. If you know, if if you're into statistics, fuck off out, fuck off out of my game. I'm I'm not. Like, I have I'm heard a, you say that in the past, though. To be, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a luddite. I just. I just don't find it interesting. And I. I and you know the game is so broad that that's okay. You know, some people aren't interested in. Um, it's the same as someone being interested in one team and not another. The game is broad enough to accommodate everybody and you know everyone's welcome and everyone can do their own thing just as long as everybody is also welcome to to you know turn their back on certain parts of the game and, and not have them shoved down their throats. I think that's important too. You know, there's no right or wrong. Okay. Um at Spurs Shout says priorities on FA Cup or Europa League, uh both is both. <laughs> Same, equal, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Just you know, the squad is now so small that the amount of rotation that is going to take place is is fairly minimal. 
Um, there's, you know, there's going to be the one or two that you can swap here or there in midfield and on the wings, but there's there's a few, there's a spine there that just doesn't move. There's there's Larice, Alderweireld, Dyer, uh, Dembele, uh, Ericsson and Kane, and then there's the accompaniments to that <laughs> ever varying assortment. Um, and I don't think now we've we've got to a point in every competition we're in where. I don't think you there's necessarily room to leave out Harry Kane. I mean, perhaps Crystal Palace at home in the FA Cup, you could maybe risk it with Chadley or Son up front because they can do a job there and Crystal yeah, Palace yeah. Aren't, aren't very good and, and Alan Pardew isn't very good. Um, <laughs> perhaps if by some minor miracle you're a few goals up against Fiorentina, you can take the second leg slightly easier than you did the first one. Oh, um, I want to smash Fiorentina for last year. For last year. Know. Um, yeah. But at this point in the season, it's it's do or die for me. I mean, it's we we often joke, Seb, about my attitude towards things, which is very single minded, and you know it's uh, forceful, not forceful. Aggressive. <laughs> um, if that's the way Sociopathic. you wish, to, if that's the, the way in which you want to, to portray it, it's uh, I I think the the umbrella term for that is northern. Yes, um, I was just, I was just trying to skirt around that. Thing. You. Uh, I mean, I make no bones about not being backwards and coming forwards. It's just the way in which I'm built. And I think people here are are much more comfortable being that way. I mean, it's not as if you've been bashful today, sort of engraving your name on the Premier League trophy and and sort of booking your seats on a train for your up-and-top bus parade already. Our name, Um, not No, it's just your sense of entitlement, Seb. You want it to say Seb Stafford-Blaw rather than Tottenham. I know what you like. Seb Stafford-Blaw isn't going to fit on the Premier League trophy, is it, though, mate? You can't, you know... It's It's just going to be there in scroll. You you don't care. You'll you'll scratch out the previous City ones and put your own one there. Um, which probably should be done because let's not forget that they're financially we've moved, oh, we, we've managed We've managed to get beyond that. Uh, we've we got, we're so a, close to the end of the podcast. We cannot have a Manchester City podcast and not use the words financial doping because I feel as if the listeners should have some sort of bingo card for me at this point where somebody's waiting for like a line or house. Um, with that. Um, I'm not even used sort of like... Uh, you know, money laundering or, or anything like that. At this you point. haven't made it. Um, you haven't made an old joke, and that's like there's yeah. about four of them on the bingo card that relate to that. Yeah. So uh, we'll. Uh, I think I've been fairly restrained for me. So we can be tried. Um, Gavin Christopherson. I've never seen that name. Christopherson. Christopherson, maybe. Christopherson. Oh, that's the one. Christopherson. That's mm. that's an appalling attempt at reading somebody's name. I'm sorry, this lad <laughs> tweets in most weeks as well. Um, all right, sorry. Um, who starts between Chadley, Lamella and Son, Ericsson and Natalie and nailed on? Um, I forgot about Dali Ali in the spine of the side before. He's he's probably in there now, isn't he? Um, yes, yes, yeah. Like I said before, any one of them, to be honest. Depending <laughs> on the situation, I yeah, think. Any combination, I think. Perhaps against the bigger teams, you you maybe go for Lamella over Son just because you know he is perhaps Protects more... a little bit more. He's, yeah, he's he's a bit more focused. He he's not shy in kicking someone in the sort of in the manner that is acceptable in that sort of game. I mean, it, David referenced it before in that four-one win against Manchester City. He ran the game because that's the sort of occasion in which his his skill set is the most effective. Because I don't think Manchester City are particularly used to what are deemed as attacking players being quite as effective and hands-on as he was against them. And and that was a large part of, of what caught them cold 
at White Hart Lane, and um, that was one of his best performances in the Tottenham shirt. Um, so any sort of repetition of that um, this weekend, and um, it'll be better off than not. You know what? You know what it is with this weekend. It is. I, I genuinely do think it is that three-two game because I remember the. It was a very similar sort of confidence going into that match that there is in this one. And I remember the crushing disappointment of, of how that game felt and sort of what followed, which was a collapse. So it would never happen again like that. You, would, you say it, that we, though. This you, this team wouldn't. This this team could lose to Manchester City. They wouldn't lose in that way. They wouldn't haul themselves back into the game and then give the um, give Man City a penalty like that because that that penalty, although Ledley King gave it away, it was a that penalty came Ledley from King. panic. You know, it was it was one of those where you've got yourself back to two two. Okay, Defoe misses the chance to win it, again. but then yeah, but then the game should have been killed. It should have been right. It's over. We're shutting it up, and it's and we're going home with a point, and that would have been just fine. And I think this team would do that. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'm positive. I'm definitely I'm more confident in this team and manager than I yeah. was previously, yeah. but I'm still not. I, I still don't wish to. Like I said, I don't I don't wish to overcomplicate matters by sort of throwing expectation into the into the mixture because I think that's like I've I've said all season, that's that's the recipe for disaster you wanna miss and sort of if you, you know, the longer you keep a lid on that sort of thing, the uh, the better off you are in the long term. Um, Good. Right, five nil then. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one question. Well, let me go back to that one question. I missed. That's all the the footballing questions and everything now. Um, Dominic Garcia asked us, "Has everyone watched the Jinx yet?" I think both of us have. Um, we have. Yeah. Jack hasn't as yet. I don't think. Um, but I, I was the one that was always banging on about the Jinx, and you, you know, you were the one that I'm still only halfway through making a murderer, but even having watched half of it and having seen. The full of the full series of the Jinx is still the better of the two. I feel, but um, how did you enjoy your time with Bob Durst? <laughs> if, if enjoy is a word that is possible, man, that's a funny little guy. <laughs> if Tottenham are as um, cold as he is on the weekend, then I have we'd no... have no problems. I, uh, I the thing is, is I don't really. I, I I know the genre is the same, but I don't. I can't really compare making a murder and the Jinx because I think they're fundamentally pretty different. As in production values and in the way they're presented, I think, I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the depth of making a murderer and I enjoyed the spectacle of the jinx and the kind of the, um, sort of otherworldly, what the fuck aspect of it, because it, it it's fundamentally very unsettling because, um, you have to, <laughs> I'm not sure what the right way is to describe. I, I found it very difficult to, connect the person on screen this funny little man you know with the acts that were described yet it's almost undeniable that he committed every single one of them it opens up this series with the floating remains of a dismembered yeah. body and this tale mm. of well, a, we, we've a got man... to be careful not to ruin it for people mate no but Remember. this is the opening of the series that I know, but just, a man a... who's been dressed as a mute woman has dismembered a body and left it few <laughs> floating, and has then, laugh, then taken the me. head as sort of a souvenir because a sort of a Buffalo Bill moment. Yeah, because yeah. he couldn't get it to. He, it was too buoyant for him to throw away. Yeah, she went into the lake to get the head, and then that 
that fails to be the most surprising or shocking moment of the series. It, it sort of gets weirder and more sort of odd, and the the, the twists come more readily and and sort of shockingly from there on in. I mean, I think it's currently on the Sky. I think it's on Sky. It's, it's on. It's on Sky on demand. You know what? What I, what I would say about it is that the difference between them. Is that, and I'm going to be really careful not to. I think we're making a murderer. I know what you're going to say. I think we're making a murderer from sort of two episodes in. You you know where it's going, and the the not the shocking part, but the sort of the the thing that draws you in is the fact that the creeping inevitability of where the the narrative is taking you, and you sort of there's a hope there that you want it to take a turn for the better, and you mm. always know. The, the step it's going to take is for the worse. Whereas with the Jinx, you don't know where it's going to step because Robert Durst is just so unpredictable as a as a central character. And because little things like the fact that he himself asked for the documentary to be made about himself <laughs> um, is is remarkable. And, I, 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 you know, like I said, I think in the last show last year when we discussed our favourite shows a year and thing, when I got emailed from my editor at the Guardian TV desk and and he asked, you know, what <laughs> what was your favourite show of the year? That was undoubtedly number one and and um, for for good reason. So if you can get your hands on it, I mean, I, I must have said it in double figures now, but it's yeah, it's, well, but rightly so because you, people should watch. It's only it, about uh, eight episodes long as well, so it's it's six, well mate. It's, it's, it's even less. Oh, it's only six. Yeah. But I, I think what I was actually going to say about the difference between them is that the ending to the Jinx is very definitive, um, uh, without telling you what it is. Whereas making a murderer, there's that ambiguity, and so you're left with a you, you respond in a different way at the end. Certainly, I mean, you know, whilst, it depends. whilst you a lot of the have, programming have, plays in the same se- features. There are several readings of the the end of... Um, actually, you know what I'm going to do? Not of the jinx, there isn't. N- no, but we'll have a conversation about this. Right, I'll, I'll do like a three-second countdown and then like I'll, I'll edit in a hooter right here. And now, if you're listening now, the hoot has been. This Spoilers. means that you're in spoiler territory for the jinx. Right. Um, you know when he's in the bathroom and he's had his coffee fit because they've... Uh, killed them all. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> yeah. he admits that he's killed them all. Um, there are people who sort of think that he's sort of doing an act, that he's almost sort of like tempting fate with that. that it, That's a risky little game to play with the death you know, penalty. Because he's, he's quite clearly yeah. a disturbed man. That he's right. he's just sort of you know doing it because there's like the scenes just before it where he's he's practicing his answers and things and he's sort yeah. of he's having these weird little delusional conversations to himself. But I think the thing that sort of does it for him is the extreme violently physical reaction he has to that when he's being asked. The sort when of when he does that weird coughing fit. Yeah, thing. it's when yeah. what it, it's Beverly, isn't it, Beverly? When he misspells um, Beverly and Beverly Hills on the um, on yeah, the Gada- and, uh, Gadaver, um, yeah, and they present him with these two separate letters that are written in almost identical handwriting with exactly the same. Having ver- had the, the handwriting expert guy attest yeah. to you know the similarities with the very uncommon misspelling of the same word, <laughs> and he just start. It's almost as if for a moment I genuinely thought he was just going to projectile vomit all over the evidence. Yeah. Because he he does start sort of doing this weird burping fit, and he it's really uncomfortable to watch. And then it's very difficult to watch. He goes yeah. into the bathroom and he says, um, "What have you done?" 
Um, they've got you now. Uh, what did you do? Killed them all, of course. And he does it in this really creepy voice, and it's really, it's really off-putting. Uh, but there's there's all sorts of strange things throughout the series. When the 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 the, 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 um, the mute woman aspect is one of the strangest things I think I've ever heard. And then it's the fact that he doesn't get. You know, you know my theory on that. He doesn't get the... arrested because. They know who he is. It's he gets arrested because he's got like because people keep ending up dead. No, no, because he steals a sandwich when he's got like ten yeah. grand in cash in his car. No, mate, it's like oh yeah, like thirty eight thousand dollars yeah, in the boot like of his car, and he steals and he like a, a two dollar sandwich, yeah, like a two pound worth of sandwich. He, he robs and gets caught, and it's almost as if he's asking for it at some point. And the weird thing is, the chopping of the body, he gets away with a self defence. <laughs> And you sort of sit there. I, I love the. It's the. It's the scene in the Texas court where they sort of go, "Yep, yeah, I, I can see where he's coming from there." And you sort it's, of go, it's, "He's it's chopped a, the body it's incredible. up." Yep, yeah. and it, you know what has obviously happened there is that he his his mute woman disguise has failed him at the wrong moment. He's been exposed for who he is, and he's just you know ended the guy that he was living with. It's or the, guy, uh, the guy that was living in the same block. It's it's mental. Television. And then there's there's um there's the bits where like um he's obviously got this strangely uncomfortable relationship with this family who are uh, I'd not really heard of them before. I'd sort of uh, knew the name but not sort of the business that that um that closely. Um and like his brother runs a business and his his mother had committed suicide and he'd watched and they sort of questionable mm. about how big a role in his mother's suicide his father played and that obviously has messed him up a lot but like it's, it's very much a kind of suicide in inverted commas yeah because she fell from a window fell in inverted commas yeah. um and like his brother's got a restraining order out on him but every time he gets in trouble the family spends like unlimited resources to get him back out of trouble but at the same time they don't like him yeah, it's, it's really very strange. strange. And there's like the bit where he goes up to his brother's front door just to That's... sort of taunt him and gets arrested. And gets arrested. <laughs> it's um, he, he, yeah. I think when they eventually arrested him, um, after the because they the weird thing was that he got arrested within like twenty four or forty eight hours of the final episode being put onto air or something like that like that, just that bef- yeah the um the the, la- the the final episode of of the jinx aired um he'd, the, he'd already uh, been in custody he'd been nicked yeah and you know it, it, i think the day that he'd been arrested and i think the the and guy who'd made the jinx had sort of given all the um which he was completely right to do yeah given all the evidence because sort of if you watch it then you sort of go you know this is your kid it's almost like um it's almost like serial, isn't it? With sort of the yeah. amount of investigative work that was done, it'd be a shame if that was actually wasted in, in, um, in the actual proceedings. But it's... I, I find it. I mean, the the thing is, is that it's it has it's it's it, it's so watchable because it combines something which is so ridiculous with something which is with something which is so unusual, and that's a real and also you know deeply disturbing, and that's a really strange mixture that i can't really think of anything else which has done it before and i it's almost like the x-files in the sort of the body is that strange you don't see it coming it's almost that level of sort of conspiracy and the fact that it's 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 a cliche but it is really stranger than fiction yeah you wouldn't if you if you were were writing that yeah if you wrote as a drama as a drama and you pitched the mute woman (laughs) you'd be laughed out of the building yeah if you 
it's like a Shakespearean disguise. Yeah, basically. Bob it's like Durst when sort of, is, a, is a fictional character, yeah. but nobody buys it. No, no one would believe you, and and you it wouldn't it wouldn't ever get picked up because it's just it's it's comedic. Yeah, and it, in, it almost in this is very there, very there dark are elements way. of of the show which are sort of black comedy and strange that element where you can either laugh or cry, and it's it's you know. We just his decision making is, I think also his decision making is so fucked for one of a better yeah, word. Like, it, you know the he, the sending of the the he he incriminates himself every time. <laughs> I mean, like you said, from from purely for the act of his own ego demanded that someone make a documentary, and the documentary fucked him because also they uncovered another moment of ridiculous hubris in him sending a. The 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 Godiva Godava Godava Godava, which is um, a word apparently that nobody uses apart from which, him. Yeah, because um, isn't and that just, the other question is whether or not that uh, we we've not even mentioned this, but there's his wife that oh, went missing, killed her, and that you know nobody's seen since that he's apparently killed apart from the person he's chopped, and up. also happened to hit on the night in question. He may, uh, the thing, and they, then there's his friend like, as well, his friend that has gone missing. No, she didn't go missing. She's the one he sent the letter he, about. He went, he went in and shot her, and and um, yeah. Cause the thing they, is, they, they did, he, the, they the, did the, the, the map and the timeline and everything, didn't they? Of, of well, the, that's the the one. The, the murder of her is the the one that, in all likelihood, he should have got away with because <laughs> she had. Um, she was supposedly publishing um, oh, some sort of an expose mafia on expose, the mafia. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. think, and she was shot in the back of the head. It's one of those where you just think, right, you, you know what's happened there. Don't send the letter, Robert. Don't you've got send away the letter because that's the only thing that's going to put you in prison or in. It may as well have sort row. of gone around taking selfies with the I dead mean, bodies. It's just it's extraordinary. I mean, it's just like it's it's also it's also you know. His behaviour is kind of makes it far easier to believe that he's just a, you know, um, a, a proper psychopath. But how he got away with three different murders, yeah, is is beyond me because he's not. Well, so mate, it's funny because isn't it? Because I, this is a guy with almost unlimited resources, and <laughs> he's been, he has this the kind of the disappearance of his wife hanging over him, and you think, okay, if something like that happened, and say for the sake of argument. Um, he killed her, but it was an accident or something. I, I don't know. But if you had unlimited resources, your your way of escaping the uh, public attention would not be to disguise yourself as a woman and go and live in a remote part of Texas. It would be, and then go and commit another murder. You would, <laughs> I don't know, do some kind of elaborate escape, sort of, you know... Um, By an island. The great train robbery style. Yeah, go and just build yourself an underground bunker or something. I don't know. But you don't... You don't just, I, I shouldn't laugh, but it, it, he, that, he that's have, what it inspires. He well you. Don't truly, go around killing other people. Yeah, he could have DB Coopered, couldn't he? And just could have DB Coopered with that kind of money. Of course, he could have DB Coopered. And then, yeah, oh god, it's uh... or, or Dan Cooper, as we've <laughs> discussed before. What's that? Actually, DB Cooper was he's only known as DB Cooper because of an error when um, the first journalist to report the story reported it. You know, to it to his um, news desk by phone. Oh yeah, yeah, and, they yeah. He was the um, the ticket, the man who jumped off the plane, booked a ticket in the name of Dan Cooper, but it was reported as DB Cooper, and so he's which is what the Cooper. legend has gone down as. He's forever known as DB Cooper. Yeah. There's loads of different theories about who DB Cooper is. I don't think we've got enough time to sort of. No, that's a different podcast. We, we can't that's go our, into um... the we can't go into the DB Cooper case after this. 
night we um we'll, we'll i like this a, i like this ending a, a, of the podcast a now. rule the roost special where we talk about nothing to do with tottenham ever yeah what, no, what, no, i think what we should do towards the that's end of, what extra slice should have been mate i'll tell you <laughs> what we should do at the end of every episode is sort of pick a cold case and just start talking about it <laughs> next week wait out for the jfk assassination yeah, go the, the six hour <laughs> compendium on the zodiac killer when me and seb make notes yeah. and we're gonna come to the bottom of that case Zodiac Killer, Zodiac Killer's not as ambiguous. Like Zodiac Killer, is, there's a, a guy that was... No, you know, they don't know who he is. No, I mean, well, he's is dead Is that now, Jack so the Ripper? No, it's not. Well, yeah, okay. Again, different podcast, isn't it? Yeah, we'll do, we'll the, do the, the special the on the week after. You know, um, yeah. yeah. I, 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 actually, I've got a correction to make. You remember quite a while ago, we were talking about the Yorkshire Ripper, and we, um, we, we certain, named a... Yeah. This isn't me coming out or anything. I'm far too young to be <laughs> the Yorkshire Ripper. Um, and I'm I loved f- how you kind of you, you felt the need to kind of give yourself a quick alibi there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, too young could never have been me. I killed them all. Um, <laughs> no, really, I didn't. American Roger. They don't need a. Well, he's in prison, mate. Yeah. So I don't think anyone's going to accuse you. Yeah, well, you, they don't need still. a second invitation of arresting a brown under there. Well, um, yeah. But um, I said that my grandma had served him. Um, in the shop that my grandma and grandma used to run, but I got it wrong. She'd actually served one of the victims, and she was one of the last people to see one of the victims before they went missing. So it's actually even more sinister than I'd first imagined. Because I thought that sort of around the Yorkshire Ripper time, she'd sort of, you know, Peter Sutcliffe had popped into the shop for God, his milk and eggs, but Goodness it me. was one of the. I can't remember exactly which one. Um, she was unfortunately, but it's, my grandma was one of the apparently one of the last people to to have seen her because she served her in the shop, which is you know it's a frightening thought, isn't it? That is very frightening. And on that, oh, I've, show, got, I've got a recommendation, mate, before we go. Um, <laughs> it's it's not it's not anywhere close to the Jinxes League or or particularly similar to anything like making. Is this the one that was on BBC Four the other day? Uh, no. Um, but I um, there's a documentary on Netflix called Cropsy. That's quite interesting. In a sort of, it's called quite what? badly made. It's called Cropsy. Cropsy. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's that sort of true crime thing. But okay. it's it's just a single episode. Um, it's not particularly made. It's quite amateur. But it's quite. It's Is this pretty your own creepy. Film? No, no. It, it's it's a uh, it's basically a um a young group of American um, filmmakers who investigate an urban legend, which happens to kind of also be true. Um, and it's, yeah, watch it during the daytime because it's a bit creepy at times. Oh, um, you absolute Jesse. No, I mean, you watch it first, I tell you. It's pretty horrible. Is it like... Not, um, not because of the, it's not because of the sinister threat. It's because if it deals with things like mental institutions and the conditions in which people were forced to live. And it's, it's pretty upsetting. Um, it's not, don't watch at night because it's going to scare you. It's I just told you what it's I, quite, I it's watched today unsettling. that was upsetting. I went to go watch a room. Um, oh, don't, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that in a couple of days. Have so you seen it? That. Yeah, it's, it's no, absolutely yet, fantastic. You and Jack it's, have seen it. So maybe we can chat about that next uh, week. Yeah, we'll chat about it next week. It's, it, it's, if you've not, I've, I've seen all the Oscar, that was the last Oscar film I had to watch. Maybe, maybe we could do an Oscar special. Yeah, I haven't seen Nonce Busters yet, but I will. Um, <laughs> Nonce Busters? What was it called? The one about the... the, the <laughs> Spotlight! One <laughs> Nonce Busters. There's your podcast <laughs> title. <laughs> Nonce Busters. Oh, 
There we go. Yeah. Uh, Let's leave it there before I say <laughs> anything else. Uh, that, that, that's peraps more spotlight. shocking than your yeah. That spotlight. spotlight's the best film that should win the Oscar. Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, I haven't managed to see it. Who are you going to call? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. Again, not at all funny as a subject matter, but no, um, no, people no, were you horrible, know, sexually horrible abused. Thing. But there you go, calling it nonspusters. Yeah. Um, it'd have been even funnier if uh, well, not funny, but if they said nonspusters in a Boston accent. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I'm not going to Ray attempt. Donovan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ray Donovan kicks down a door. Get in the fucking car. <laughs> oh, this has gone down. My fucking fast. wife. <laughs> Jesus, Seb, you've committed this to tape. Um, right. Um, let's let's kill it. Let's, yeah, it's over. Um, not kill and edit 40 minutes of it. Yeah, Just get rid of the last. Yeah, 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 get rid of all your impressions and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and my cockerel noise. Get rid of no, the cockerel noise is staying in it. If you want okay. to <laughs> listen to old episodes, go to the website rtrpod.com. Send us emails at rulerooftpod at gmail.com, uh, rtr underscore pod on Twitter. Um, Seb, what's your Twitter name? We don't give our own Twitter names. Like you should give yours. No, I don't want any more followers. No. <laughs> Piss off, leave me alone. Seb, Seb's too elitist for that. I'm, I, I'm not going to give my own out now. because I think, to be honest, most people on here follow me anyway. So I oh, don't... you sound like a right knobend. Um, no, no, just because I've been on it for a while. It's not, you know. I don't think I, they we, do. We I think people are put off because of this arrogance that you've shown throughout this podcast between well, then, winning uh, the league. Then you're and... absolutely not welcome on my Twitter feed then. Get off my timeline. <sighs> Um, right. Um, do you want to say goodbye, Seb? Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.